Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi aliyya dhati azim al-sifati samiyya al-simati kabiri al-sha'an jalil al-qadir al-rafi'i al-dhikri muta'il amri jalil al-burhan fakhim al-ismi ghazil ilmi wasil hilmi kathil al-ghufran jamil al-thanai jazil al-atai mijib al-duaai amim al-ihsan سري الحساب شديد العقاب أليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصدر ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخيل الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحد الله فإن التوحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن التقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الإطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم البدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ودعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم حافظوا على الصلوات والصلاة الوسطى وقوموا لله قانتين الله سبحانه وتعالى in the Quran informs us وننزل من القرآن ما هو شفاء that we have revealed from the Quran that which is a cure it is a solution to what ails humanity. It is a solution to people's problems. It's not conjecture. And in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, The Quran provides a framework within which we can find answers to all of our questions. It is guidance, instruction from Allah, and it is a mercy for the people who believe. So the Qur'an provides very thoughtful, very deep, very profound answers to many of our questions. There, but what it requires on our part, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls, us, calls on us multiple times in the Qur'an to do, and that is it requires us, Quran. It requires us to ponder, it requires us to reflect, it requires us to think deeply and profoundly about what the Qur'an is saying in order to be able to 
find and to be able to implement these solutions. There is a particular amongst obviously the countless fascinating things in the Quran, there's one particularly fascinating place in the Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah, a little more than halfway past the point of Surah Al-Baqarah, about two-thirds of the way through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a very detailed passage on all the issues, the rulings, the process, the procedure, the aftermath of divorce. In-depth, maybe one of the, the most in-depth technical issues Allah speaks about in the whole Quran is the issue of talaq, the issue of divorce. Why it happens, how it occurs, what is the process, what, is, what are some of the rulings pertaining to it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes into great lengths talking about this. There are, depending on the mushaf that you're reading from, there are anywhere from three to four pages, very dense, that are discussing this. When the scholars of tafsir, they write about this particular passage, these three or four pages, they write three to four hundred pages exploring it and discussing it. However, the fascinating thing is, in the middle of that passage, in ayah number 238, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, To roughly translate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Safeguard, watch over, protect, the prayers, particularly the middle prayer, and stand for the sake of Allah alone in a state of absolute total devotion and submission. Now, what I'd like for us to focus on first and foremost is the first part of the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hafidhu ala salawat. The word hafidhu in the Arabic language comes from the root hifd which means to protect something. But there is a principle, linguistic principle in the Arabic language that that as you increase kind of the scope of the word, as you increase the letters in the word, you increase the size quite literally of the word, you increase the meaning and the scope of the word. So Allah does not just tell us Hifd, but he tells us to practice what is called muhafada, which in the Arabic language would translate to to very carefully, very diligently, almost obsessively watch over, guard, and protect something. It's the difference between putting something in a drawer versus putting something inside of a safe and then locking the room that the safe is inside of, and there's a camera inside of the room or outside the room watching that door. Think about the difference between those two things. The second example, where you lock something in the safe, then you lock the room, then you turn on the camera, that is muhafadah. You are taking any and all measures to protect something. Secondly, what Allah does is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses a preposition, ala, above, over, on top of something. Because the best vantage point when you are trying to watch, govern, protect something is 
to do it from above. That's why security cameras are posted up high. So that you have a better view of what's going on. That's the best vantage point. So Allah tells us, very carefully, cautiously, diligently, obsessively, watch over, protect and guard with any and all tools and means that you have. And what, you, what should you be guarding in this way? As-salawat, the prayers. So this message in and of itself is very important. Something we are constantly in need of. That Allah is reminding us that you have to maintain your salah, your prayers. You have to safeguard that prayer. You have to protect that prayer. Because that prayer is your connection to Allah. That is your spiritual lifeline. That is your calm amidst the storm. Anchor that keeps you grounded. So you have to take care of the prayer. But now at a second second level, we reflect on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because nothing in the Quran is coincidental. Nothing in the Quran is accidental. Everything in the Quran is consequential. Not only what Allah said, how Allah said what He said, what we just talked about, but where did Allah say what He said and how He said it? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in, this, in such strong language about salah, about prayer, in the passage that's actually talking about divorce. The dissolution of a marriage, of a union, the end of a relationship, and many times the fracturing of a family. There Allah is talking about prayer and to very carefully take care of prayer. So the Mufassirun, Imam Al-Qurtubi and others, they share certain reflections here about how we can understand and benefit from the placement of this verse. So the one, the first and foremost important thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding one who might be in that circumstance or situation that if you find yourself at the end of a particular journey with someone, you find yourself leaving, you find yourself in that kind of a moment where there could be loneliness, there could be heartache, there could be just overall a sense of frustration or loss or sadness, that Allah is reminding us that the most important relationship you have is your relationship with Allah. And if you are able to manage and maintain that relationship, relationships or not, there is a fulfillment, a tranquility, and a peace that you will have through all the ups and downs of life. And that was exactly what our Prophet personified. Let's give us the peace and comfort of prayer, O Bilal. My tranquility is found in prayer. When anything bothered or disturbed him or upset him, he at once immediately went to the prayer. So this is that reminder that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving to us that we are all in need of, especially those who might be going through a difficult moment, a difficult experience, that your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is paramount. It's the most important thing. Secondly, 
This is an exploration of also what's referred to oftentimes as Al-Manhaj al-Tarbawi fil-Qur'an. Al-Manhaj al-Tarbawi al-Qur'ani. That how the Qur'an trains us and teaches us to actually become better people. That because if reconciliation is possible in this relationship that is coming to an end or falling apart, or even if the reconciliation here is not possible, the person hopes to have relationships in the future, and this is overall talking about as you know, marriage is a microcosm, and it's overall talking about any and all relationships that we may have, all kinds of family relationships, all types of personal relationships, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that one of the reasons or one of the things that can help us get better at maintaining and managing the relationships that we are in is actually learn through prayer. And there's a few particular characteristics that some of the mufassirun, some of the scholars of the Qur'an, they highlight. Number one, prayer develops within a person a sense of responsibility. Because you, the only way you can take care of your prayer is if you're responsible. I have to set my alarm. I have to wake up. And then I have to, for Fajr, I have to be able to step away from what I'm doing. And make time and make a place to be able to offer dhuhr. I have to plan the end of my work day or my drive or whatever around Asr. I, I have to think about Maghrib. When I've just gotten home and I'm busy with a lot of different things. Salat al-Isha. I have to make sure that I take care of that before I fall asleep. There's a sense of responsibility. I have five responsibilities every single day that I am in charge of. That are my responsibilities. And one of the big issues that plagues a lot of times relationships is a lack of responsibility. So that responsibility can be learned through the exercise of salah. The tarbiyah of salah. Number two, salah teaches us selflessness. To be the ability to before yourself. That selflessness, sacrifice. Because again, at Fajr time, I would rather sleep. At Dhuhr time, I would rather eat lunch as just like a physical creature, as an animal, right? I'd rather sleep, I would rather eat, I would rather get home, I would rather relax, I would rather go to sleep. That's, those are the things I would rather be doing as just a physical being. But I'm going to sacrifice my sleep, I'm going to sacrifice my lunch, I'm going to sacrifice my, you know, what time I get home, out in the middle of the rain and drive. I'm going to sacrifice all of that. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm putting Allah first. I'm putting my relationship with Allah first. And the same thing is necessary in order to be able to grow and maintain relationships. When two parties in a relationship and each one is solely and only focused on itself, that's going to pull them apart. But that empathy of the Prophet ﷺ, that sacrifice of the Prophet ﷺ, the selflessness of the Prophet ﷺ, when one person is invested into the well-being of the other and willing to sacrifice for that person, that brings people closer together, that pulls them closer together. Number three, prayer teaches us humility. Humility. And that's very, that should be very, you know, evident. Because as the Arabic language demonstrates 
فولي وجهك شطر المسجد الحرام the face is the nobility the karama of the body the face is our identification the face is the thing that we protect the face is you know what is honored and in salah we put our face on the ground we put our face on the ground where we put, place our feet where we walk with our feet we put our face on that ground there is no position that is lower more humble than putting your face on the ground and we do that five times a day for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeatedly two sajdas in every rak'ah constantly reminding ourselves of our own reality humbling ourselves before Allah and arrogance and ego has been the downfall of so many people and it destroys so many relationships and so humility is learned through that salah that the conversation i have right after salah with someone my tone will be a little bit lower a little bit softer my tongue will not be as sharp i will be a little bit more humble because i just put my face in fr- uh, in front of allah on the ground reminding myself of where i came from and where i'm going to so how can i prop myself over someone else and fourthly they highlight that salah teaches us forgiveness how so because in salah we beg we cry in front of allah begging for forgiveness pleading for forgiveness allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathira all i committed many 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 sins wala yaghfiru dhunuba illa ant no one can forgive except for you faghfirli maghfiratan min indik so allah please please forgive me warhamni have mercy on me innaka antal ghafurur rahim you are forgiving and merciful we're begging and asking for forgiveness and mercy and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us the golden principle which is man la yarham la yurham irhamu man fil ardi yarhamkum man fis sama that someone who does not have the ability to show mercy to someone else shall not be shown any mercy be merciful to those that are around you and allah will be merciful to you and so while begging and asking and pleading to allah for forgiveness and mercy it's a reminder of the fact that if i want to attract if i want to be worthy of the forgiveness and the mercy of allah I need to be showing mercy and forgiveness to the people in my life to the people around me and that harshness and hardness of times we fall into the bad habit of that is very destructive to relationships as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala details in the Quran where Allah tells the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam fabima rahmatan min Allah linta lahum that it is through the mercy of Allah that you were so soft and kind and generous with the people around you the sahaba his companions walaw kunta fadhan ghalb had you been harsh and mean with them lan fadhu min hawlik they would have left you a long time ago allah is telling the prophet sallallahu the sahaba would have abandoned you they would have left you if you would have been harsh and mean so it's very destructive to the, to relationships and that's why we know that we need to be kind and merciful and gentle and compassionate But a lot of times we're not getting the the lesson we're not learning the lesson 
And salah is something that can help to bring about that within us and transform us. The obvious goal to achieve all of this and receive all of this and derive all of this from our prayer, we need to start being more diligent about our prayer. We need to start being more mindful about our prayer. We need to start being more reflective within our prayer. We need to put a little bit more thought into what we are doing and why we're doing what we're doing. As Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala notes, in his tafsir of the ayah, will be attained, this kind of reflectiveness and deep thinking in prayer and about prayer will be achieved by the person and for the person who will be able to just empty their mind for a moment for the prayer. And so just stopping for 30 seconds, 60 seconds before we start praying and just think about what I'm about to do, why I'm going to do what I'm doing, can help and then put some thought into what I'm doing can be very transformative for that experience of salah and can thereby help us be able to take these practical benefits from our salah. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, I've said many, many words, but Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu summarized it so beautifully, not surprisingly. He said, مَنْ كَانَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مُضِيعًا that whosoever will be irresponsible about their prayer, their duty to Allah, their relationship with Allah, whoever will be irresponsible about their relationship with Allah, that person will be even more irresponsible to everyone and everything else. Because someone who cannot be good to the one who created them, and provides for them, and sustains them, and maintains them, and gives them everything that they need. Someone who cannot be good to Allah, then how, why, would you ever expect that person to be good to anyone else? بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائل المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد عوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى أزواجه وذريته اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم اهدنا واهدبنا واجعلنا سببا من اهتدى اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم أحسن عاقبتنا في الأمور كلها وأجلنا من خزي الدنيا وعذاب الآخرة اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وصلى الله تعالى على النبي الكريم قال الله تعالى إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وإنهاء عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله يذكركم ودعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تسعون أقم الصلاة